Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily and today we are speaking with Dr. Leanne Davey. Her fascination with organizations started as a child when she would watch hours of documentaries on the inner workings of factories. Eventually, that led her to a study of the modern machinery of business, the cross-functional team. For the past 25 years, Leanne has researched and advised teams on how to achieve high performance. Known as the teamwork doctor, she's worked with teams from the front lines to the boardrooms, across a variety of industries and around the globe from Boston to Bangkok. In working with hundreds of teams, she has developed a unique perspective on the challenges that teams face and how to solve them. Beyond her work in the boardroom, Leanne is a keynote speaker and a New York Times bestselling author of You First, Inspire Your Team to Grow Up, Get Along, and get stuff done. She is also a regular contributor to the Harvard Business Review and has been sought by media outlets for her expertise on increasing productivity, enhancing engagement, developing leaders, and as one client put it, dealing with the damn drama. Leanne's new book, The Good Fight, is available for pre-order now. This is part one of a two-part interview. Welcome, Dr. Leanne Davey. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks so much, Lily. We're so thrilled to have you on our podcast. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am ready. Perfect. Now, Leanne, can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. So my path actually came up through uh, a lot of education. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I became trained as an organizational psychologist mm -hmm. uh, and did a lot of research and studying teams. And that was mm -hmm. what I was really interested in. And so that led me to get into the consulting industry. But I just loved leadership right from the get-go. So in my very first job, it wasn't long before I was managing a team. And over the years, I ended up reaching senior leadership in a firm. So uh, I went all through consulting, rising in the ranks. And then three and a half years ago, I decided to take the jump as a completely different kind of leader. My husband and I started our own company. So now I'm really seeing what it feels like to be the leader when you, when you have to think about the business as well as all the other factors. Wow. So you were very aware that this was the track for you very early on. Yes, absolutely. I say it actually started when I was about three years old. There used to be this television program that I loved and they used to do documentaries from inside of factories. So how are crayons made and how are Q-tips made? <laughs> and I loved that show. And so I really loved business from a very young age, but it turned out 
you know, the science side and the engineering side wasn't really for me. It was actually the sort of modern machinery of business, which is the team that I ended up studying and, and I've spent most of my time on. But I really think I was about two when I decided that I wanted to be in business. I wanted to be a leader. And so it's 45 years later and I'm, I'm still loving it. Wow, at three years old, you were watching documentaries. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm, um, I'm a nerd. Well, let's just establish that now. Uh, actually, my, my... You don't even have to say it. <laughs> yeah, my daughter is, uh, my 16-year-old daughter uh, loves documentaries as well. And she, she came down and asked me if I would watch a documentary on the Black Panthers. And I said, oh, interesting. You know, what made mm -hmm. you choose this? And she said, I've seen every other documentary on Netflix. This is the only one left. <laughs> so it runs in the family. Oh, wow. As I think about how many different leadership hats you've worn, can you tell us how your leadership style has changed and, and where you are now? Yeah, so I would say one of the most important themes in my life, if not my career, is that I used to be pretty conflict avoidant. Mm -hmm. And I used to like, no, I, I should be fair. I still like when everything is harmonious mm -hmm. and everyone's mm -hmm. getting along. At some point in leadership, you learn that that doesn't work mm -hmm. and it doesn't serve the business. It doesn't actually serve the team and it certainly doesn't serve you. Mm -hmm. So I would say today I would describe my leadership style as tough love. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, Kim Scott created the term radical candor and radical candor is probably a good description of it. So now I understand I need to go after the issues. I need to be very direct. I need to get to the point, say what needs to be said. I just need to say it with love. I need mm -hmm. to say it in a way that's kind, that protects the individual, allows them mm -hmm. to come out of the situation whole. So I think why my clients count on me so much is that they know that I'll tell them what they need to hear because often no one else is, but that I'll do it in a way that they know I'm on their side and I'm cheering for them to be successful. So lots of tough love for me. Tough love and radical candor. Yeah. So what was it that shifted you from being a conflict avoider to understanding that that's not going to serve people? Yeah. My first company that I worked at, I ended up in a relationship with my boss that was really toxic. And I was a manager already. And so I felt I couldn't protect my team effectively. I wasn't able to advocate for them in the way I needed to. My boss was very suspicious of me, felt that I was trying to take her job when that wasn't true at all. I talk in my new book about this idea of conflict debt, when we uh, just can't face these difficult conversations. And so we just let them pile up like we pile up credit card debt. Mm. And so I say in that situation, I was in so much conflict debt that I declared bankruptcy. <laughs> and I quit. I went looking for a company that wouldn't have conflict. And I interviewed at seven different companies. And I finally found one. I had eight interviews at this company and I finally was convinced that, okay, this was the place that wasn't going to have any conflict. And actually for the first while, it well, was you were awesome. really avoiding conflict. Yeah. So, okay. So let's add to nerd. Let's go with naive and a nerd. So it was great for a while, but eventually I got into another really, really uncomfortable situation. And I think that was the moment. It wasn't quitting the first job. I didn't learn from that. I didn't learn until the second team where I realized, oh, you know, organizations require conflict and humans run from it. So mm -hmm. we're going to be in conflict debt 
every place that we run from conflict. So that's where I figured out, all right, I better take ownership of this. I better start to work through it. So I always say it was my second terrible team that I learned from, not my first, unfortunately, but I Mm -hmm. sure learned a lot from that. And many, many years since then, I've really been very dedicated to not racking up conflict debt, making sure I, what I always in my own head refer to as pay this one in cash, Leanne, pay it in cash, deal with it now. (laughs) Because if you don't, the interest compounds and the situation gets worse for the business. It erodes trust with your team members and it causes a lot of sleepless nights that none of us need. And that's certainly true. And you mentioned a book. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited to. So my new book is called The Good Fight, Productive Conflict to Get Your Team and Your Organization Back on Track. And The Good Fight is, it's almost two books in one. So if you're like me and you're conflict avoidant and you really don't like it, then what you need is the fight part of Mm -hmm. The Good Fight. And I teach you how to do it in a way that uh, you can still look in the mirror at the end of the day and be proud of yourself and feel like a kind person. I do it in a way that's going to strengthen your relationships with your teammates, not erode them. And I do it in a way that makes sure you'll become a more valuable employee, not a former employee. (laughs) Um, So I say for some people, the good fight is really about the fight. But there are other people who engage in conflict regularly and do it in a way that's really destructive. And I say for them, the book is about the good (laughs) because Mm -hmm. they've already figured out the fight, but they sure haven't figured out the good. How do they have conflict with people as allies and say, look, we're all fighting for the same thing here. We all care about the same thing. And, you know, we may have different perspectives on that problem. Uh, Yet, if we can understand one another's perspectives, then we can come to a solution that's good for everybody. So that's what I say. It's the good fight is two books in one. You pick whether you need the fight or the good. Where can we get this book? Everywhere. <laughs> so, um, so it's out now? Yeah. It's, it's uh, available for pre-order right now. And the exciting thing about pre-ordering it, in the next few days, there's going to be all sorts of bonus offers for anybody who pre-orders a copy. So what I'm going to do is all the tools that I normally reserve for my consulting clients, I'm going to give away to anybody who pre-orders the book before it comes out. So things like, I actually have a conflict debt assessment ugh, where you can... <laughs> It's like, you know, when you for, do, for us nerds who yeah. want to do that. <laughs> yes. Or, or just for the people who like those quizzes in Cosmo mm-hmm. or whatever, where you want to see, you know, just how bad is it? But it's also got some really practical tools, like an actual how-to sheet to plan for a conversation to make sure it's a healthy conversation. So lots of fun things for your listeners if they pre-order the book. So in the next few days, that's going to be up. So my website is leannedavey.com and we'll have all the pre-order bonuses listed up there. So I'm very excited about that. And you spell it L-I-A-N-E-D-A-V-E-Y.com. Yeah, it's, it's one of those gifts in life when you get a first name and a last name that are hard to spell. So the good news is it was easy to get the URL. So it is leannedavy.com. Hey, leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. If you haven't downloaded your copy of the Master Leadership Journal, go to masterleadership.org forward slash MLJ to get instant access and begin growing your leadership with questions that have been curated by top-level leaders. I've also included some cool extras for you at masterleadership.org forward slash MLJ. 
Now, Leanne, <laughs> many of us as leaders, we have these quotes that inspire us and move us. What are some quotes that inspire you or speak to you and why? Yeah, that's a great question. There's a couple that come to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, one is the Chinese philosophers, when the best leader's work is done, the people say we did it ourselves. Mm. And because I'm a team person, I'm always thinking about the role of the leader with respect to the team. And I find one of the most disheartening things for people in organizations is when their boss gets the credit for things that they did. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're a great leader, when your work is done, everyone's going to feel like they did it themselves. So I really like that one. I also like one that's about, you know, if we want to reach distant shores, we must consent to lose sight of land. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so if you're going to achieve something amazing, if you're going to get to a new place, if you're going to get your team to be more effective, if you're going to be a new level of leader, there's going to be some time where you can't see dry land, where you're going to feel like you're adrift at sea. And that's part of the process. You know, I like these quotes because they're quotes I have to remind myself of all the time. So those are the quotes that really mean a lot to me. Perfect. Leanne, what's the best advice you've ever received? So... That's a big question. Let me give you a couple. So my dad raised me, and I'm not sure if he ever said these words. He just demonstrated it with his actions. But make changes in your life to make yourself happier, not richer. Mm. And all through his life, my dad made changes to make himself happier and better, even if that meant it wasn't going to make him richer. Mm -hmm. And he died a very happy man. (laughs) And I think all of us around him were happier because he prioritized his happiness, our own happiness over riches. So I think that one's a really good one. I also had a mentor who used to say, you can have it all. You just can't have it all on Tuesday. (laughs) So she (laughs) she really encouraged us to say, you know, you can be for me, you know, an author, a keynote speaker, a consultant, a wife, a mother, a tap dancer, all of these things. Um, Tap dancing actually is on Tuesdays, but don't think about it all at once. And when she said not all on Tuesday, she meant that literally in some ways that, you know, be where you need to be on Tuesday. But she also meant it in the sense of, you know, in your 30s, if you have kids, they're going to need a ton of your attention. And so you may not become a great keynote speaker at that time when you can't be traveling and be away. Mm -hmm. So, you know, thinking of it in a day, in a week, or over a lifetime, thinking about, you know, don't limit yourself. You can have it all. Just understand that it's not all going to come at once. Beautifully said. Now, Leanne, I've read that you are known as the teamwork doctor. (laughs) It's better than what some people call me. I've been called Dr. Conflict, which is like, oh no, I sound like a a villain in a a movie. How far you've come because that was not where you started. And so that's amazing. So as a teamwork doctor, what does it mean to you to have a good team? And how do you build and sustain one? So there's a couple things. One is a great team knows what their job is and really focuses on doing the things that only they can do together. And these days, teams really don't know what makes them a team. Often I see people are like, well, I don't know, we all report to the same person and we have a staff meeting on Mondays, so we all come. (laughs) They don't know what makes them a team. 
And so a great team does. A great team knows what each person's role is, how they're interdependent on one another, how their team lines up with other teams. So that's a really, really important piece of the puzzle. And then they spend their time and energy not doing each other's jobs for them, but actually doing only the things that they have to do together, that they can only do through collaboration. So that's one half of the equation. I think the other half of the equation is a good team has trust. Hmm. And the reason trust is so important, not in and of itself, but without trust, you don't communicate candidly or openly. And without trust and open communication, you can't have that productive conflict. Conflict becomes passive aggressive or it becomes just plain aggressive, nasty and vicious. So if you have trust, if you know that you have one another's backs, if you have confidence in their ability, if you believe that your teammates are reliable, if you trust them, then you will speak openly with them, give them the information they need to make good decisions and disagree with them, knowing that you'll come out the other end still trusting one another. That's super important. So really good alignment, clarity about what's the most important, what's our job here, and getting your time focused on that, and really good trust that allows you to communicate, be candid, and have conflict with one another, knowing that it's only going to strengthen your relationship, not erode it. I love that you drill down to trust. That's something that I always speak about, and it's so much a part of what moves me as a leader. Now, you mentioned that you and your husband have an organization where you go into organizations and you work with their teams. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, what a fun job, eh? Yes. <laughs> I always have the yes. best job in the world. So we go into organizations either that have teams that are toxic and in crisis mm-hmm. or into organizations that have good teams, but that want to be great teams. Mm-hmm. And we have a blend of those. And so what we do is we go in and we do the things that I was just talking about. So we help the team figure out what's their job. What are they there to do? What's their role? And it's so funny because, you know, that's our first big day we spend with teams and they tend to, when we say, okay, what's the mandate of this team? Why do you exist? We get blank stares. (laughs) They look at us and they blink and they're Uh going to answer. So we answer that question and we help the team figure out what's the unique value they can only add together. And then we get into the human stuff, into the trust and into the team dynamic. And we do that by helping people get more self-aware. So we use some assessment tools to help people understand their own needs and their own stress behavior. And then we help build new behaviors. So we build skills and we do workshops and we practice having conflict and we practice giving feedback and we help come up with better processes for how to make decisions. So it's a pretty big investment when you normally work with pretty senior leadership teams and organizations. It takes about six months to really create new habits, build new teams. But what I'm really excited about is that in the good fight, I actually put in the processes that for the last 15 years have only been available to my consulting clients. I just decided that changing the world one team at a time was not fast enough. And so just believing that there is abundance, that I have more work than I need and that people need these solutions and these tools. I'm so proud of the fact that I just held my breath and said, I'm putting it all in the book. So it's all in there with instructions of how you can lead your own team through this. So it's really exciting times to be able to share that with everyone. Well, thank you for your generosity and putting trust into practice because that's what you did when you put this in in your book. 
you know, I did think about it. It was hard, right, to say, yeah. but for 15 years, this is what's made me secret sauce. a secret weapon. <laughs> this is my secret sauce. And I thought, you know, there are always going to be people who say, we want it from you, or our challenge is particularly hard, and so we'd love to have you. I'm not worried about that. But mm-hmm. there are so many people who the problems are they're manageable. There are things that if they just start having these conversations, they can work through it themselves. And so for all those people, they deserve to have the tools and the opportunity to make their teams better because our teams affect our entire lives. You know, when I was telling you the story about that original team I was on that I declared bankruptcy and quit, Mm-hmm. I declared bankruptcy the day after I came home and my daughter, who was three at the time, said to me, mommy, can we go to the park? And I just didn't have the energy. And mm-hmm. I did what I swore I would never do, which is I turned on the television and just kind of let it babysit her. Mm-hmm. And the next day I just knew I can't do it. And so our teams, when they're not having the right conversations, when we do have conflict debt, it doesn't just affect our organizations and the important jobs we're all trying to do, but it affects our families. It affects our communities. So that's why it's all the more important. I actually put a bonus chapter in the book called Try This at Home. And it talks about how do we have more productive conflict in our marriages? How do we raise conflict resilient kids? Because we aren't. We're doing a disservice to our children. I think my generation was a bit conflict diverse. This generation, we're making many of them even less able to manage their own conflict. And then I added in a bit on how do we deal with conflict in our volunteer organizations, our churches, our schools, all these places where we participate, because sometimes those have the biggest conflict out of anywhere. So I had a lot of fun writing that chapter and giving people the tools, not just to make their teams better in the workplace, but to make all the teams they're part of even better. You know, I love that you are now a champion for not avoiding conflict. (laughs) Um, You know, Leanne, you also stressed practice. Tell me why practice is important, because sometimes as leaders, we try something and we fail and we just move on to the next thing. Yeah. So that's when we lose trust, right? Mm -hmm. If someone sees us try something, we don't do well at it. And so we move on and we aren't willing to show vulnerability. Mm -hmm. then people lose trust in us. It's actually in moments of vulnerability that trust goes up, not the opposite. So people often say, you know, they'll read the book or they'll be in a workshop with me or hear me give a speech and they'll say, oh, I can't remember exactly how you said to do that. And what if I mess it up? And I said, if you mess it up, make a big deal of messing it up. Mm. So I like humor and playfulness. So Mm. if I went into someone's office and I'd been really working hard at saying, I need to listen to them before I go ranting about my perspective. Mm -hmm. And I walk in and they say one thing, I start ranting about my perspective. I would do something silly because I'm playful. And I would do like, and I would back up out of the office as if I was rewinding the tape, shut the door, reopen the door, walk in and say, okay, and start again. I would be (laughs) playful about it. And sometimes we get in the heat of the moment and we don't even know in that moment that we really blew it. So if that's the case, I say, come back an hour later and say, wow, I blew that. You know, I've been really working hard at, you know, listening to other people before I go telling them my perspective. And I did exactly the opposite there. You know, Mm -hmm. forgive me. I'm going to sit down for 10 minutes, put duct tape over my mouth and not say a word. Please tell me what you're thinking. So in many ways, when we mess up, we have a chance to, first of all, signal that this matters. It's important. Secondly, 
demonstrate we're willing to be vulnerable, which increases people's trust in us, right? Take mm-hmm. the high road and show that we're going to all practice this stuff. And if we practice it, we'll get better at it. Because if you have to come tail between your legs saying, I blew it, that's pretty aversive. It causes us to learn pretty quickly when we have an aversive experience. So that's why I'm such a big fan of practice. And with practice, understand it's not going to come easily and it's not going to come every time. You may get it right 10 times and then mess it up the 11th. That's okay. Take it as your big chance to say, oh, I was doing so well and I blew it. And if we can laugh at how hard it is to have these challenging conversations, if we can admit that being on a team is hard, but it's worth it. It's funny. I'm created these sort of greeting cards that I'm sending out to people when they order the book and the greeting card says right on it, what's worth fighting for. And I think our teams are worth fighting for. I think our marriages are worth fighting for. I think our kids are worth fighting for. So reminding yourself that it's going to take practice, but it's worth it. It's worth fighting for. Love it. This is the end of part one Make sure to tune in next week to listen to part two of our interview with Dr. Leanne Davey. In the meantime, remember to ignite and continue to grow that leader in you.